you're curious about the music on the ASI podcast, you can go to ASI247.org, click on the music tab at the top, check it out. Uh, I hope the guy decides to talk through, um, if the people decide to walk with them, regardless of pitchfork, cosign. Once again, listeners of the ASI podcast, this is episode 47 of season three. This is my arena. The TV told me something different. I didn't believe it. I stand here in front of you today, all because of an idea. But the people that put their passion before them being comfortable. Raw, unmedicated heart, no substitute. Banging on tabletops, no substitute. I'm feeling better than ever, man. What is up with you? Scraping my knuckles and battling with some drug abuse. I lost another friend, got another call from a sister, and I speak for the people that share that struggle too. Like they got something bruised. My only rehabilitation was a sweat. Tears and blood went up in the boost. Little Macklemore on the podcast today. I love that lyric. Um, following your passion rather than your comfort, right? Uh, today's episode is titled Take a Cold Shower. <laughs> so, is what is that, right? That's like the oldest one in the book as far as strategies for sexual integrity, isn't it? It's, dude, you just need to take a cold shower. Let's go do that. You, uh, um, is that what I'm talking about today? Actually, no. It's a little deeper than that. But before I get into that, how about a subscriber challenge? This little, little thing I wrote while sitting in traffic. Subscribe if you, the listener, are not too squeamish to talk or listen to talk about the hazardously unmentionable places that scare most promising ministry professionals and eager up-and-coming psychotherapists. Subscribe if you're willing to philosophically venture into Dante's pad and bravely take a machete and a flashlight into his unkept backyard, bravely entering into the dark woods to bring some light to the soul's of the fearfully defensive and the misfit artists whose gifts are shadowed and shackled by the thorns and vines of an unwillingness to understand. Cutting through the dense, slicing, scratching vegetation fed by the lies and vague points of the modern-day Pharisees and philosophical worldview thugs seeing through their disguise leaving the lies hacking with good news and perseverance out of the dark wood into a new hood of hope and faith that is uh, something I threw together some words I put together to help process this this whole thing in my mind. Uh, Dante's Inferno is a book that was written a, a long time ago. I'm not talking about the video game Dante's Inferno. Uh, I'm talking about the 14th century epic poem or divine comedy, as it's called, uh, Dante's Inferno. A lot of the pictures of hell in Christianity have to do with more of Dante's Inferno, this fictional book, than it had to do with 
the Bible. So I'm turning the devil into this cartoon character kind of a thing. Um, but anyway, I thought that was a more positive way of looking at the dark wood. The dark wood is kind of this place where lost souls would get stuck and then uh, eventually go to hell, right? I thought this would be a better way of bringing some gospel uh, gospel into it with my funky non-rhyming poem kind of rhyming. I don't know. Anyway, moving on with this podcast here. That's the challenge, the subscriber challenge. Another thing is uh, the Facebook is going to heat up. All right. The Facebook page, there's a Facebook page. If you go to ASI247.org, click the like button on, it's just meet Russ Shaw, okay? Um, it's not like ASI attitudes of sexual integrity is going to come rolling across your your wall. Okay, don't worry about that. That's not, that's not going to happen. It's just, you know, it's information. It's staying up to date. And I'm going to start putting more time-sensitive material on the Facebook page. There's a lot of stuff on the website, but, um, yeah, I have like 40 likes, I think 39 likes on the Facebook page, which is strange because there's about between four and 6,000 listeners a week that listen to this thing. And, uh, I, I guess maybe part of that is because you may not want people to see that you're friends with the sex addict coach, right? Sexual sobriety coach. Right, but that's not what it says. So just to relax yourself a bit, um, in the UK, the guy was telling me that you know it's, you're you're a wanker. That's what a sex addict's called in the UK. You're a wanker. Like I don't want to like you on my Facebook page because everyone's going to know I'm a wanker. Uh, don't relax. All right, people won't necessarily know you're a wanker if you uh, if you like the ASI. Well, it's not the ASI page. It's just Meet Russ Shaw. That's all it says. Meet Russ Shaw. It's me, coach, uh, and that's it. All right? It doesn't say sexual sobriety coach. It doesn't say um, wanker coach. Nothing like that. So I just wanted to put that out there. More time-sensitive material will be on the Facebook page rather than the the website itself. It it helps... uh, It helps me delegate some time. It's a little easier to post stuff there than it is to um, go in and HTML it. Donations. Again, thanks for those who've donated to the podcast, man. I really appreciate it. The show is less broke now thanks to a few listeners who were generous, decided to to give out of their heart. And, uh, and that's when what we do with our, I mean, your money is like your life energy, right? And when you're, when we give, that's one of those things. It's, it's, it's therapeutic. It's good for our soul to give. And, and I'm not talking about me here. All right. If you think I'm a shyster after your money, I've said this before, but if you think I'm some shyster, some Christian, you know, uh, slick salesman con artist who's after your wallet. Um, don't give to me, all right? But this is true. I, I, if you look on the webpage, um, ASI247.org, you click on the Give tab, there's other places to give besides the ASI podcast that I don't get a dime for, all right? You could give money to digging wells in Africa, for example, but I'm telling you that there is something to, you know, discipline on ourselves to get outside ourselves and do something bigger than ourselves with our money rather than just spending it on ourselves. Does that make sense? 
I'm, there's been some donations and I'm, I'm glad that you've donated. If you want to donate to the podcast, ASI247.org. If you believe in some of this message, man, I, I appreciate you. You're, you're helping to put this message forward. Um, I'm humbled and honored by those of you who, who donate. And um, again, it's just, it's just more time that I get to put into doing this show as opposed to my, my pizza selling job where I drive around the Seattle area selling high fat, high carbohydrate foods, right? That's what I do all day long. Not only that, but listen, donating to the ASI podcast also helps the environment, right? All these greenhouse gases and stuff like that. Like I drive between 140 and 180 miles a day, depending on where I'm going. Uh, my carbon footprint is like the size of a T-Rex's, all right? So that's part of, you can help the environment by keeping me off the road and uh, doing more of these podcasts. Um, again, you know, I, I'm not Mr. Qualified, super right dude um, with all of the degrees and, and all this stuff, but uh, there's people listen. And, and, and this show's having an impact on hearts and minds. It, it is. Um, you're going to have to take my word for that. I'm not going to sit here and tell all the stories of people who... It's just... I don't. I feel weird about it. There's some people that would be like, yeah, go ahead, you know. But I, I don't know. I, I feel weird about it. I don't want to sit here and... Like, I'm not going to read testimonials, you know, by people and go, right? Like, these are the people that listen to the product ASI, and here's the results that they've got, right? Like, I'm not going to do that. If you you send your love gift of 1995 to... It's just so not what this is about, all right? I'm just another guy with a story like you, all right? I've got a different story than you. But I'm just a regular freaking cat with a, with something to say, okay? It's it's not about me being all like Doctor Phil or something like that. Like I'm someone that you should you should like listen to and get right. No, no, man. This is about faith, and this is about your life pouring out like the garden hose without a shut off valve. That's what this is. That's what I'm gonna talk about here. All right? You know, and I guess. If there's anything I could apologize for in my, you know, being all those years at the mega church, it's that, uh, all right, I'm just going to be me and I'm going to unabashedly talk about my faith and and who I am in relating in this light with with Jesus Christ. I'm going to talk about how some of that light pierced the darkness not in just my heart and soul, but in some of the other people that I know and I've met and I've heard the stories of. There's this really dark life stuff that's happened and how just the just the pin needle amount of light can move in and, and right? Darkness never overtakes light, all right? It just can't. It's science-wise or spiritually, that's just the truth, all right? Light will always overcome darkness. Here's the deal. You don't have to shut your brain off 
to believe in this faith. When I started to investigate for myself the person and work of Jesus Christ, I found it was more about human history than it was about turning my intellect off, right? Powering down my rational side so that I could believe this religious fairy tale. Okay, that's, that, well, isn't that faith, Russ, right? To believe some religious story in order to figure out your life. Like, no, no, that's not it. And I would also venture to say, after years of discussions with folks who went to secular colleges and learned from their atheist college professor that it's all about science and your brain is just wires in a box and you're just some kind of, you know, organism that's just trying to survive over the years, to believe that is to shut your heart off, all right? And it's to ignore a huge chunk of faith that is spiritual and is very, very real. And the studies have shown over and over again, if you ask 80% of the people, and it's even higher than that, if you believe in the supernatural or if you've had a supernatural occurrence happen in your life, people would say, over 80% say, yeah. I have things that have happened in my life, stuff that's happened, things that have impacted my heart that I can't explain. And, you know, the skeptic, like me, in the past would say there's got to be a scientific explanation. And maybe there is. And maybe there's something deeper going on. And maybe there really is another layer, like the matrix, underneath this reality that we see. It's bigger than what we understand. I'm just a guy saved by grace and saved by by my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, all right? Whatever you think about that, maybe you think that's religion, um, I challenge you to stick around and listen to the show. Um, my relationship with God is more about investigating human history than it is following some kind of religious thing, right? Or credo or systematic, you know, doctrinally uh, motivated, you know, brainiac kind of uh, religion geek stuff, right? Um, so I want you to understand that like, I'm not I'm not anything to to write home about, uh, other than my my Lord is all right, my Lord and Savior is. Jesus has saved me, done a miraculous work in my heart and mind. I should be in prison or in a men mental institution. It's by the grace of God that I'm even sitting here in traffic talking to you, <laughs> right? It's not me. It's him. And I, and I get to talk about that, and I'm humbled and honored to do that. And yes, I may do it in, a, in an edgy way, but uh, some people can relate, and, and that's God didn't make us because he's lonely. You know, you hear that. Some Christian ministry dudes will say that. Like, no, that's that's not why God made us. God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit in this Trinitarian community and companionship. God is one and in perfect, harmonious relationship with himself. Um, 
that blows our mind a little bit. But when it, when it comes to entering into the, the time and space part, I, I could imagine how uncomfortable that must have been for God. Not just crucifixion, right, and being tortured and paying the, the sin debts, but just living day to day here uh, on this uh, planet Earth, the, the creation that was fractured by our own free will. God knows uncomfortableness, right? And that's that's what I'm talking about in this show is some some of that kind of stuff that the, the discipleship of following Jesus and him saying, "Hey, you know, do some of the things I, I talk about here, some of the things I teach and you'll you'll be building your house on a, a, a more solid foundation." My years at Mars Hill and this is a this is something that's wrong on my part, all right? I'm not blaming anyone at Mars Hill Church for this. Um, my years there, I felt comfortable on the sidelines as a guy who was not qualified for that kind of sort of elite ministry that really was, you know, the, the high bar for being a pastor or elder at Mars Hill Church is a high bar. Um, and I thought that that was a way of shepherding the flock and, and keeping people safe, right? That, that, that kind of scrutiny in being a ministry leader was, was the way that the things ought to be, that the way that things should be, right? Until the story broke about, you know, somewhere behind the scenes, um, a whole bunch of, you know, church funds were spent and some work elaborate kind of work done to to hack the New York Times bestseller list and and that broke some trust with me but I also realized that man we're all broken sinful human beings and and while I'm not Mr. Qualified uh, Ministry Leader um, these guys and my hat's off to some of these guys right like these guys didn't cheat on their wives these guys didn't break trust with their kids and their wife, right? These guys didn't have to pick up shards of of metal and, and debris and, and, and shrapnel that got blown all over the place by my horrible decisions. I really was comfortable sitting on the sidelines seeing myself as disqualified for that kind of leadership. I guess if I'm honest, the truth is that I spent some of the time some of those years, a lot of those years, really apologizing for who I am rather than simply apologizing for the things I've done. Um, I've abandoned some of the things that I held dear as a guy who's seen some radical life change in me for this kind of comfortable Calvinism, all right? Now, I'm not saying that I'm all swinging all the way over to the Anglican side. I don't I don't care about these goofy theological, philosophical labels. Um, but there's a different energy to apologizing for the things you've done and, and repenting for the sins of the past, realizing that those things are in the past. Got a recent email from a listener talking about how, how to forgive himself, right? And I'll, I'll probably do a whole episode on that. But one of the things that I've learned in my, in my really investigating this in myself is that I was pretty comfortable with this title that I had of being the, 
the badass um, guy who should be ashamed of himself, right? Um, it, it felt comfortable to me, and I could sit on the sidelines and cheer on, you know, the the varsity ministry dudes while I did my my podcast over here on the side. Um, I no longer think that way, and maybe that's good or bad, or maybe we'll see how that plays out here in the future. But uh, it, it, it's going to be. It's going to be challenging, and any time you take on a challenge and you break out of the systems that are keeping you the way you are and where you are, it's going to be uncomfortable. Uh, that, that statement, you should be ashamed of yourself, is a, is a voice that could be coming right out of the pit of hell, all right? Um, guilt is not necessarily a bad thing, okay? Guilt is healthy and normal. Shame, on the other hand, is a kind of stew that we can just sit in. Um, it's believing the lie that you're irredeemable, right? Like you can't be redeemed, that you're not, uh, that you're unforgiven. You know, use that Metallica tune analogy, the, the, the unforgiven feeling. Um, it's a lie, and what it results in is just navel-gazing. That's one thing I've learned about not forgiving myself, is there was some comfort in it, and um, it was something somebody told me in a, in a redemption group, right? Like, okay, Jesus went to the cross for you, but, but that wasn't good enough for us, right? Like, seriously, where is your faith? Where are you placing your faith? Um, and that was a that was an eye-opening challenge, and it's something that I've uh, I've struggled with, and I'm admitting it here uh, today that I, you know, I did believe the lie of, yeah, you should be ashamed of who you are, Russ Shaw, and and that's just gross, and uh, I, I am ashamed of the things I've done in the past, um, but they're in the past, and I can leave that stuff in the past. And looking up from the garbage that was my life to my Savior is a different energy than continuing to stare into myself. And it's part of the message of this podcast. That is the message of this podcast. The relationship instead of religion isn't just a trendy thing to say. It's actually a, an interaction, right? And that's what I'm going to be talking about. Uh, today, though, on the show, I have a another TED Talk by a guy, Joel Runyon. This is a young man who is going to be talking about cold showers and what cold showers have done for him. Um, it's not what you think. Uh, this is a fascinating little piece of I would again. I, I probably would have scoffed at this a few years ago, but now what I've learned about you know habit formation, um, again ritual formation, spiritual formation, the way that our emotions uh, make attachments to things, uh, I found this talk fascinating. It's a talk that's uh, been passed around the NoFap uh, website on Reddit for a while. Uh, Fapstronauts. Um, have continually shared this video over and over again as a way to, uh, you know, a kind of discipline in taking on sexual addiction issues, right? People that are trying to kick pornography, stuff like that. Um, it goes one layer below that kind of behavior modification, and that's what I like about it. I would call this a, a layer two kind of discipline. 
he fascinatingly enough talks about some of the root cognitive attachments that are just under you know the the things that make us addicted sexually um it's a great little talk I'll have a link to it on the website, asi247.org. This is Joel Runyon doing a TEDx talk. It's about 10 minutes long. It's a short little talk, but it's very, very good. Uh, and here, here you go. Keep right into it. Thank you. Today I'm going to share with you guys about cold showers. How they can, how they can change the way you look at fear change the way you approach being uncomfortable, and even change your life. I first was introduced to the idea of cold showers about two years ago. Uh, I was supposed to meet a friend of mine named Nick Reese in Portland. He was a friend of a friend, a really successful entrepreneur online, and doing really interesting things. I met Nick in a bar and immediately introduced myself. I told him what I was up to. I had just quit my job and I was taking a better job a bigger job with a better pay, more money, more opportunities, better people to learn from, and eventually one day when I got done with that job, I would eventually quit it, start my own business. After listening to me blather on for about five minutes, Nick took a step back and he looked at me and he said, so Joel, why haven't you started your own business already? I was a little bit flustered. I looked at him and I said, you know what, I just, I really don't, I don't have the money, I don't have the time, I don't, I don't really have the knowledge, I don't know the right people, I'm just not ready. He listened to my excuses for a little bit and then asked the same question. So Joel, why haven't you started your own business already? At this point I was a little bit annoyed because it didn't seem like he had listened to me for the last two minutes, given my really good reasons, really valid reasons and stories on why I hadn't started my own business yet. So I repeated them to him, hoping that they would get through to his head this time. And then I wrapped it all up with, besides, I just really don't know what to do anyways. And Nick looked at me and he said, that's not the problem. You already know what you need to do. You just need to go ahead and do it. What you're scared of is you're scared of being uncomfortable. And if you want to get used to being uncomfortable, all you have to do is take 30 days of cold showers and you'll be fine. <laughs> and he left it at that. We went on to other topics of conversation and then I went home that night and kind of thought about what he said. And the next morning as I got up, I decided I was going to do it. I was gonna take 30 days of cold showers. So I got in the shower and almost instinctually, I turned the water to hot. But then I remembered our conversation the previous night and decided to turn it to cold. And as I started to turn it the opposite way, all these thoughts and all these feelings started rushing up inside me about why taking cold showers was a terrible, terrible idea. <laughs> this is not gonna be fun. This is gonna be really, really cold. Who cares what Nick says? This is stupid. Why are you doing this anyways? And I almost didn't do it, but I, I, I had already committed to taking 30 days. So one way or another, I turned it to cold, jumped in the water, and I screamed like a little girl. <laughs> it was cold, it wasn't fun, 
and I didn't like it one little bit. After five minutes of being in the cold shower, I jumped out, toweled off, and 30, 30 seconds to a minute later, I was fine. The next day, I went to do the same thing, and as I jumped in the shower and turned the knob to cold, all the thoughts and all those feelings started rushing up inside me again. This is a bad idea. This is really dumb. This is going to be really cold. Do you remember how bad it was yesterday? <laughs> but I did it anyways, turned to cold, jumped in, and I screamed like a little girl. After five minutes, I jumped out, toweled off, and 30 seconds to a minute later, I was totally fine. As I kept doing this for 30 days, over and over and over and over again, I started to realize something really interesting. That all the excuses I was telling myself in the shower before I turned the knob to cold were the exact same excuses that I was telling Nick in the bar in Portland about why I couldn't quit my job. And they were the exact same excuses I was telling myself in my life about all the different reasons why I couldn't do the things that I really wanted to do. And as I started to think about that, I started to realize that all the stories and all the reasons and all the excuses, because that's what they really were, that I used in the shower to convince myself to not take a cold shower. Those weren't the thing that kept me back from taking a cold shower. The thing that kept me from taking a cold shower was my decision to not be okay with being uncomfortable. And when I accepted the, the idea that I was going to be uncomfortable and I was okay with it, and then made the decision to be uncomfortable, that's what made me take the cold shower. And that's what made me start doing different things with my life. And now the reason this works is that every single day, every single one of you, I hope, will take a shower. <laughs> now, if you're like most people, you jump in and you almost instinctually, almost automatically, turn the, turn the water to hot. It's normal, it's easy, and it's what most people do. It's almost the default choice. But it is a choice. And it's not the only option. So you don't have to do that. You can do the opposite. You can turn the knob the other way. You can take a cold shower. It's not very much fun. It's pretty uncomfortable and almost nobody does it. But you can do it if you choose to. And what you start to realize is that, like me, all those excuses that you tell yourself in the shower, they can either do one or two things. They can convince you that you're right and that all those stories and all those reasons and all those excuses, they're legitimate and they're going to keep you from taking a cold shower and you're not going to even try. Or you can decide that they don't matter 
And you can decide that one way or another, regardless of those stories, you're going to take a cold shower. I've been taking cold showers for about two years, ever since Nick told me about this. And it's, uh, it's one of those things that I keep coming back to in my life as sort of a litmus test for the type of person that I want to be. Every single time I find myself needing a little extra strength or a little extra courage to go do something that is hard or difficult or just a little bit uncomfortable, I take cold showers. So when I was training for my first half Ironman, I took cold showers. When I quit my job, finally, I took cold showers. When I started my own business, I took cold showers. When I got in the best shape of my life, I took cold showers. When I ran my first ultra marathon, I took cold showers. When I got up this morning to, to do a TEDx talk, <laughs> I, took, I took a cold shower. <laughs> and what I realized is this. I was looking at myself in the mirror, and I told myself something. I said, if you're not willing or able to be the type of person that is willing to be uncomfortable for five minutes alone in the shower, where the only negative outcome is you being cold for five minutes, and the only person affected by that decision is you, then how will you ever have the strength or the courage to choose to be uncomfortable in a situation where the outcomes are much, much greater and the people affected by your decision far outnumber just yourself. And so I've got one challenge for you guys today and it's really, really simple. Tomorrow, when you get in the shower, instead of making the easy choice, instead of making the comfortable choice, instead of doing what most people will do, do the opposite. Turn the water to cold, take a cold shower for five minutes. Choose to be uncomfortable and see what happens. Thanks. That is so true. If we're willing to be uncomfortable, to discipline ourselves to be uncomfortable for one little act or ritual that's going to make us uncomfortable, just us, for a little while, how much greater would it be to start to, you know, get the ball rolling on this, you know, I hear I used to laugh at religious people with the Eucharist and the liturgy and all these little rituals they would do, but it's one of those things, right? If it's just going to make you feel a little bit uncomfortable for a little while, imagine the ripple effect of once it gets outside of you and starts to affect the people around you. 
by doing the courageous act of just being uncomfortable, being okay with being uncomfortable for a little while. That's just a great little talk. I wanted to share that with you. Um, the definition of insanity, you've heard that, right? Like the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. This is touching some of the emotion that's tied to habit breaking and reorienting and new habit formation. It's really one of those defining moments, isn't it? When we decide to do the uncomfortable thing, right? Turn the handle to the way that we normally would not instead of doing the comfortable thing, right? You're going to do something with your life, right? It's one of the things about discipline. Like your life is just spilling out all the time. Being a couch potato is just as painful in the long run as being uncomfortable for a while. It's true. I love that. It reminds me of the telling my flesh who's boss uh, part of scripture, the Corinthians, Apostle Paul. Um, this is First uh, Corinthians nine twenty-seven. But like a boxer, this is from the Amplified Bible. That's why there's a lot of words here. <laughs> It's every possible English uh, verb and adjective, right, to describe what was originally said in in the Greek. Um, this is verse 27. Uh, but like a boxer, I buffet my body, handle it roughly, discipline it by hardships, and subdue it for the fear that after proclaiming to others the gospel and the things pertaining to it, I myself should become unfit not to stand the test to be approved and rejected as a counterfeit. I love that. Making himself uncomfortable, right? I guess the actual Greek translation of that is, I pummel my flesh and make it a slave. I love that. The flesh being a slave to the spirit. It's a beautiful picture of... Uh, what can happen after we change some of our our habits, right? When we accept the fact that we might be uncomfortable for a while in the uh, process of change. Keep me in your prayers. Um, I'll be praying for you too. One of the things that you could be praying for me for is uh, in this transition, right? In this transition of life and leaving the church that I've been familiar with for so long and into the unfamiliar territory where I'm headed out next. And uh, I wanted to leave you with this tune from the Avengers soundtrack. This is Soundgarden. Um, I love you guys. I mean that for reals. All right. Until next time. Bye. Still count on you